from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. At their core, credit unions are community builders. I'm Ron Jose, Senior Editor with CUNA News. In this podcast, Kathy Mann, President and CEO of Inclusive, describes how her organization is dedicated to its mission of promoting financial inclusion and building more inclusive economies through community-owned and controlled financial institutions. Inclusive is a national network of community development credit unions that have been formed by and for low-income communities to serve underserved and disinvested populations. Its membership is open to any credit union that is designated as a CDFI or as a minority credit union or just believes that they are primarily organized around serving the mission of promoting financial inclusion. At a time when credit unions are trying to establish diversity, equity, and inclusion within their organization, Inclusive has built its legacy around DEI principles with programs that empower disenfranchised communities and promote cooperative solutions among credit unions. As Mann says in this interview, looking at the changing demographics in this country, the perfect place for consumers to be is a financial institution that is as inclusive as possible. Kathy, can you tell me about your personal path to inclusive? I was living in North Carolina. I had finished a stint working for, at the time, Senator Terry Sanford, who is the U.S. Senator from North Carolina, or one of them. And the project that I was working on with him, it kind of wrapped up and I was about a year or so out of college. And I had had a good friend from college who had moved out to LA and she was actually a journalist and she was writing for the racing form. So she was like at the racetrack every day and she kept saying, you have to come out to LA, you have to come visit. So I literally did. I drove out to California I had sort of no idea what I was going to do as next steps in my life and my career. I knew I was interested in policy. I knew I was interested in sort of social justice work. But yeah, I drove across country from North Carolina to LA. I slept on her couch because she didn't have a, there was like no spare room. I slept on the couch. And while I was there, she would go off and be doing her work during the day. And I started looking around saying, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on out here. And so I started just in a week or two of like visiting and checking out the place. I had reached out to a couple of different organizations that were working in the sort of refugee and immigrant rights work and landed upon an organization called the Central American Refugee Center, CADESIN, and reached out to them and said, hey, I'm really interested in what's going on in Central America. And I've been doing all this work for this U.S. Senator around helping him develop a foreign policy around Central America. And they said, we have an opening. Do you want to come in today for an interview? I went in, I had an interview, a series of interviews all in Spanish. And I had to like quickly try to make sure I was boned up on my Spanish. And within a day, I think it shows how desperate they were to hire somebody because within a day they had offered me the job working for Caresin and I was helping Central American refugees to get political asylum. And then I started a whole host of other kind of community engagement, outreach and rights work, civil rights work in the immigrant communities in LA. 
and was there during the riots. And frankly, it was during the riots and the aftermath of the riots that a lot of the community groups were sort of talking about economic justice and pooling resources and recycling money into the community. And somebody said at a a town hall that I was at said, what we need is a credit union. And so the rest is history. Beautiful moment. Yeah. And in fact, that community went on to form a community development credit union several years later. And so that was my first introduction. And I said, I need to learn more about this. This is sounds like the most amazing thing. Everything I heard about credit unions, I was like, why doesn't every low-income community just do this? And the first you encountered this concept of like, wait a minute, everybody owns this community-owned asset, all the growth and all the profitability goes right back into the community. Like, it just seems like the most, it, it, and it is, in fact, the most beautiful vehicle. Um, they and, really are. Yeah. yeah, they really are. And building on that, tell us what Inclusive does. Yeah, so Inclusive is um, a national network of community development credit unions. So, those credit unions that have been organized by, for, and of low-income communities and people. And the primary mission of a community development credit union really is to use the vehicle of the credit union to build wealth in low-income, underserved, and otherwise disinvested communities. Inclusive, we are the national network that represents community development credit unions, but we also ourselves are certified as a community development financial institution or a CDFI. And we raise capital that we reinvest into our network of community development credit unions. So we have about 340 members in all around the country in 46 states, DC and Puerto Rico. Our membership is open to any credit union that is designated as a CDFI or is a minority credit union or just believes that they are primarily organized around the serving the mission of promoting financial inclusion. One of your key programs is the Juntos Avanzamos program. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of that program and how it exists in its current form? So Juntos Avanzamos was actually started by um, the Cornerstone Credit Union League. Back actually when Cornerstone, when it was just the Texas Credit Union League, It was started by Dick Ensweiler, who was the CEO of the league at the time, had created this sort of network within the league to try to encourage credit unions to do as much as possible to reach out to the Hispanic community. In English, Juntos Avanzamos means together we advance. And it really focuses on helping credit unions and encouraging credit unions to do as much as they can to engage Latino consumers in their communities. And I was actually at an event with Dick and we were sitting next to each other at a table and he turned to me and he said, you know, this Juntos Avanzamos program that we have. And I said, it's amazing. What a great program you put together. And he said, well, I want to take it national and you guys are the ones to do it. So over dinner at an event, we cooked up a plan to take his inspiration of Juntos Avanzamos and to take it national. It's now a network of over 120 credit unions across the continental U.S., And then we've been doing a lot of work with the network of cooperativas in Puerto Rico, all of whom sort of qualify as Juntas Avanzamos. So it's really sort of doubled that network. 
And I think one of the things I love about Juntos is it was structured so thoughtfully that it really does, even in going through the process of applying to become a Juntos Avanzamos credit union, it really walks you through the different steps you can take to truly be inclusive. So it walks you through, like, think about your products and services. How well do those products and services address the needs of this community? Think about your staffing. How many bilingual staff members do you have? Think about your signage. Is your signage bilingual? Think about your leadership. Have you found ways to engage leaders from that community into your credit union leadership? And so it, by virtue of even going through the steps of the application, it's providing credit unions that pathway to say like, oh, okay, so check, we've looked at products. Yes, we've brought in and recruited bilingual staff members. We've looked at our signage. We've looked at our materials. We've looked at kind of the composition of our board and our committee structures. And by going through that, you actually create a truly inclusive credit union. Why is DEI so important to everything that inclusive does? DEI is uh, critical to everything that inclusive does, and I would venture to say really everything that credit unions are about. It is about reaching out to the entire diversity in our marketplace. It's about recognizing the value. I mean, our business, as we're growing as financial institutions, and as we're looking at the changing demographics of our country, the perfect place to be is to be the institution that is as inclusive as possible, right? And so when we think about DEI and you think about first starting from the inclusion point of view, it's really about surveying how well are we serving our entire community because every new community that we bring in and to the extent that we're successful in reaching out to diverse segments of our community we're going to be able to be finding opportunities for growth in our business because everybody's going to have a need to have a safe place to save, to have a safe place to transact, and to have a safe and responsible place to borrow. And so we're creating sort of the opportunities and growing the marketplace of who can be using our services. So it's a great thing for just sort of building our business. And as we're bringing people into our credit union, because we are such democratic institutions, it's not about bringing people in just to serve them. Because we're financial cooperatives, we're bringing you in as members, stakeholder owners, and we want to be engaging you throughout every mechanism of our institution, not only because it's the principle of how we're structured as cooperatives, but the more people we have from diverse parts of our market the more kind of representation of our diversity in our marketplace that we have in the credit union, the better we're going to be positioned to be able to serve different market segments. So it certainly aligns with the inclusive mission of promoting financial inclusion, promoting racial equity, and growing and serving diverse segments of the population that have maybe historically been underserved. That's certainly our mission. But we're so passionate about it because we also know it's the key to the future of the credit union movement overall. How are you celebrating Black History Month? 
So at Inclusive, as we have in the past, we are partnering once again with the AACUC, the African American Credit Union Coalition, on our fifth joint Black History Month ebook, which is like an amazing booklet that we produce each year with AACUC that features credit units around the country and their legacy and history of serving Black communities and the history and legacy of African-American credit unions in our midst. So using social media, we sort of develop, along with AACC, we develop the stories along with the credit unions. And then each week, we're sort of featuring two to three different stories of credit union experiences around the country. And then we pull that all together at the end into this ebook that we then sort of send out kind of far and wide throughout the movement and beyond. The legacy in the credit union movement is just so powerful because there's so many credit unions that were really formed because African-Americans were redlined out of access to loans from banks, and they then went ahead and formed their own credit unions. Last year, we launched our Racial Equity and Resilience Investment Fund, where we have both a grant fund and a secondary capital fund that is focused exclusively on channeling capital to minority credit unions, many of which are Black-led. There's a lot of talk about the stimulus package. How is that going to affect inclusive? So the stimulus package is a real game changer. It's going to be transformational for our movement as a whole. Dating back to working with Congress over the summer of 2020 to get in the HEROES Act, some resources dedicated to CDFI and minority depository institutions, that ended up kind of being on hold for a while, but it all came to fruition by the end of the year last year when Congress passed the second COVID relief bill, which included a lot of resources, as many know, around the Paycheck Protection Program and the stimulus checks and all kinds of important critical resources across the board for communities impacted by COVID. But there was a really important component in it for credit unions overall, but specifically for CDFIs and minority credit unions, which allocates a total of $12 billion to go to CDFI and MDI institutions. So $3 billion of that will go in the form of an appropriation to the CDFI fund. And the CDFI fund will be mobilizing the first installment of that coming up. About one and a quarter billion dollars is going to be deployed, hopefully within the first quarter of this year. So folks should be looking out for notifications on that. That's going to be available immediately to already certified CDFIs. The second installment of that is going to be a, a one and three quarter billion that's going to be at a second round that's going to be a little bit later on in the year, probably around September. And we are working with CUNA Mutual Group to do a huge campaign to get credit units who believe they qualify as CDFIs to get them certified to be able to access those resources in the future. Finally, there's a $9 billion treasury capital line that's coming available for CDFIs and MDIs in the form of secondary capital. The level of resources, I mean, this is about 30 times over what we've had historically from federal support for the movement. It's critical because we need it now more than ever, but this kind of capital is really going to be a game changer for credit unions. Do you have these funds earmarked for projects? 
We see a lot of opportunities for credit unions to take advantage of this new capital. I would say the following things people should be thinking about. First, they should be thinking about how this capital can help just build their net worth and enable them to respond to the ongoing kind of growth in deposits, just that natural growth that credit unions seem to be seeing across the board. But secondly, this combined with the need going on in the communities where our members are based and where credit unions tend to be based, there's a great opportunity to be looking forward to what types of products and services are most going to be needed because the capital is finally going to be there to enable credit unions to be prepared to meet the needs coming down the pike. One area I would say that people should really be thinking about is the credit union movement responded incredibly well to the Paycheck Protection Program, did an amazing amount of outreach to a huge amount of new businesses that have now come into our credit unions and have been able to get these PPP loans. When the PPP program ends, the need for capital from those businesses is not going to be over. So we should be thinking and anticipating like what are going to be those small business lending needs that we see coming down the pike six months, nine months, 12 months, 18 months from now, and thinking about the ability for the credit unit to respond to it. And building our capital base now to be able to meet those needs is going to be sort of an ideal moment. We're doing a huge amount of work around climate action and resiliency and clean energy. There's a great amount of activity going on in the clean energy lending space. It's a great moment for credit unions to get in on that action. So there's a lot of opportunities to really sort of grow portfolios into new areas, new products, new services. And a lot of times, the reason credit unions don't move as quickly as they'd like to is they don't feel like they have sufficient capital reserves to be able to do new programs all at once. So this is going to be the moment. We're poised and ready to help as many credit unions as possible to take advantage of these opportunities. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. 